Welcome to this episode of TurfNet University, sponsored by Brandt, a supplement to the TurfNet University webinar program. I'm your host, John Reitman, and our guest today is Todd Hicks of Ohio State University. Todd's going to talk to us today about some of the issues he's seeing and hearing about across Ohio and what he's telling golf course superintendents to deal with some of the challenges they're seeing in what's been a mostly hot and dry summer. So I know this year it has been extremely hot for long periods of time, very little breaks in there, and for the most part, been pretty dry. What are you hearing from superintendents across the state? What are you guys hearing? It really depends on where you're at in Ohio because the rains we've been getting have been very spotty. I mean, you know, you go to a course in one area and he's drenched and six miles down the road and the guy's bone dry. So it's been very spotty. We've been super hot. It came on super early. The only saving factor with that heat was we didn't have a lot of humidity with it in the beginning. And as you know, humidity is the key for diseases. So you get hot and stuff, you're worried more about agronomic stuff. The diseases really are kind of taking a break. They're, they're sitting there waiting, but not an issue. So a lot of people got in trouble with watering. Um, I, I think a lot of times superintendents are so challenged today doing so many other things than actually looking at agronomics that sometimes when we get full sun and wind, a windy day, no humidity, they think, okay, we're, we're good to go. But the trouble is, you get full sun and, and wind going, that will dry you out quicker than anything, regardless of the temperature. So people dried out quicker than they thought. I think a lot of areas that are typically a little moisture, uh, northern I especially, uh, those guys usually don't have to deal with things like this, and they did this year. So it got a lot of people behind on watering, um, and then the humidity did come in eventually. And that's, you have weak, dry turf. There are a number of diseases that prey on that. And if they didn't have a solid program, they, they got caught behind the eight ball again with disease. Um, most people recovered. The biggest gripe I'm hearing right now is people were inundated and had more play than ever in the spring because the only way to get outside and do anything with COVID was to come to a golf course. So they were very, very busy in the spring. They've been very busy throughout the summer because, again, it's been one of the few recreational things you could get out and do uh, during this COVID-19 lockdown. So these guys have had extra play that they're not used to, and now they went through this huge heat period. And what's happening now and in the fall is most of their calendars are full clear up to October because all the big corporate events they would normally hold in the springtime and beginning of the summer got canceled. Well, now they're back on. So normally when these guys after Labor Day weekend go into more of a, um, we can breathe now, let's get the course back to where it needs to be. And then eventually put it to bed in the fall late. They're, they're not changing anything They're Matter of fact, they're ramping up to have more events and more play than normal this spring, or excuse me, this fall. So I, I think a lot of guys are very stressed out. They're working with turf that's it's pretty stressed out. And uh, they're going to go into a lot more play and a lot more wear and tear on their course during the fall. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point. Golf courses are jam-packed everywhere. 
It's been a really tough weather year in pretty much the eastern half of the country. Everybody's busy, and you don't have time to get out there and do anything. You, you know that old saying, you know, they tell you, um, uh, be careful what you wish for, and everybody's always talking about getting more rounds and making more revenue. Well, you you wish for it. Here it is. When you mention all these diseases related to drought stress, traffic, specifically, what are some of the things that you're seeing pop up this year? Well, I, I think with the cool down that we've seen here in Ohio this week um, and humidity levels coming in with these storms and stuff, dollar spots will ramp right back up. Um, it just, dollar spots like a wolf. It sits and waits. It's patient. And uh, when it sees this opportunity with humidity and the weather change, it pounces quickly. And if you have any kind of um, loose areas on your course that you may not treat, or you might be stretching things, it pounces on this first and spreads very quickly. So dollar spots is the number one thing I look out for. Um, I would say number two on my list is anthracnose. Um, we've got lots of wear and tear on these courses. Uh, we went through horrible heat. And the horrible thing with anthracnose is it doesn't care about temperature. It, it likes cold weather. It likes warm weather. It just needs stress turf. And we've all got stress turf. So if you've got poanya, and you've dealt with it before, or you've got some areas that are looking rough and tough, it might behoove you uh, when you're making applications for fungicides to look at the labels and see, am I getting some crossover from Dallas and Thracnose or vice versa with some applications so I can double up on what I'm trying to cover myself for. Do either of those things, and I hear you and Joe talk about dollar spot a lot i've always been a big fan of the videos you guys do on buckeye turf when you mention dollar spot and anthracnose do those show up to the same areas what's the mo the anthracnose normally does it's one of those things where once you get it the first time you're kind of susceptible from then on in um and it's it's again looking for its window of opportunity um sometimes it'll be on the fringes of a green, or sometimes it'll just attack the green, depending on you know how, how the grass is doing and how much bow you got. Dollar spot is is just it seems to be everywhere. It's it doesn't matter if you've had it or not. Um, if you let your stuff get dry and you let it get uh, uh, your turf get stressed, and you've got some open windows on uh, some of these stretch dates on fungicides. It's going to show up. I don't, I don't care where you're at. You and Joe obviously do a lot of extension work. How has the virus affected the ability to get out and about across the state and do in-person extension work? Yeah, it's greatly affected what we do. Um, uh, the, first off, you, you couldn't even come into the research center uh, until you went through an approval process. So we jumped on that as quick as we could um, and got approval to do research here at the center. I've only got one offsite um, research project this year, so I had a, a separate approval for that. And, and Joe got approval to come in and do um, samples. But other than that, we have not really been able to travel to see anybody or you know do field diagnostics because they they've shut all that down now luckily with the advent of social media and twitter and 
um, Facebook and email and uh, texting um, and these phones that have these wonderful high high capacity uh, cameras on them, we're able to get a lot of pictures um, on things that a lot of times we can give you a, a, a roundabout answer by, by pictures. But when it gets to real complicated stuff, it, it really needs to be a visit and a sample. And fortunately, we haven't seen too many of those this year. It's kind of hard to feel and smell through a phone. It sure is. It sure is. And, you know, a lot of times what you see with your eye doesn't come through, no matter how good of a picture you take. Um, and, and so you just don't know. You know, we always tell people um, when you're doing diagnostics, you can't do it standing up. You'd be on hands and knees. You need to be digging in the soil and, and those kind of things can't be done through a phone. Yeah, and that's a real lost resource for those who aren't familiar necessarily with the geography of Ohio. It's relatively square, and Columbus is pretty much right dead center, so it's really easy for you guys to be anywhere at any point in the state within about a two-hour drive. So Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I would suspect that you probably see more samples being sent in maybe than in years past. Uh, you know, Joe would have to verify this, but from what I've seen, uh, they're about normal. Uh, again, I think a lot of the problems turn out to be agronomic and guys know what they did. They, they got two drives. I, you know, I try to call, if I can't go, um, I'm real good at making phone calls and try to call a few key superintendents or chem reps, um, in different parts of the state to say, Hey, what are you seeing? How's things going? And if they got problems, work with them via phone and, and the other social media we talked about. And I think everybody's doing pretty good. There's not been too many out-of-bounds things. I got lackadaisical on my dollar spot, and I stretched dates. I got hit. I didn't pay attention to anthracnose. I wasn't worried about it. I saw it show up, and I got hit. Uh, and people, there were some really, really good uh, chemical salesmen out there, whether they're from one of the, the big companies or their warehouse people that really do a great service to the the men and women that are um, managing turf that they, they sell products to and, and provide a great service to them. And some of those folks who work for distributors might be a little more mobile. How much of a resource can those guys be for superintendents to lean on as well when you're not able to get in the car and drive to point B? Well, and especially in a year like this where we can't, uh, they are very invaluable um, because these guys, you know, they, they get paid to make sales, but they're not going to make sales to somebody that don't trust them. And so the way you get trust in somebody is help them do their job better and help them out when they're in tough times. And these guys stop every day at somebody different. And take a look at courses. They get to see a lot of hands-on stuff that Joe and I don't have time in a normal year to get out and see, let alone a year like this year. So I think they're very valuable to the superintendents. And they're pretty valuable to us to keep us aware of if there's things popping up that maybe they don't understand or things that happen regionally. You know, as square as Ohio is, uh, it's quite a diverse state as far as rain and temperature and, and that sort of thing. So it's interesting talking to people from the four different regions 
uh, and seeing what's going on and, and when it goes on, because uh, it is quite different. Right. Now, you guys have, I believe today, a Q&A session coming up on a virtual field day. That's correct. Yeah. How, how much of a challenge has that been to prepare curriculum? You know, uh, it's not really been too bad for Joe and I. Um, we basically did a virtual field day where we stood out on the plots and, and talked about um, what we were seeing at the time. Now, unfortunately, when we made that video, Dollar Spot really had not started for us here at the Terrace Center. Um, but we could talk about other diseases and what we're hearing from the superintendents. We could also introduce any new chemistries or different ways some of the companies were using chemistries. So that's that's what we try to do. We try to do what we normally do for a field day stop to inform our constituents of here's what we're doing, here's what we're seeing, here's what the companies are trying, and here's what's working. Um, other than that, um, I'm not sure uh, how today's going to go. You know, people are so busy and uh, these live events, if you've got a problem, they're great. But if you don't have a problem, I, I think people just, uh, they like to do things at their own time level. Uh, and and so this is a bad time. Kids are going back to school and college. High schools are kicking back up. Uh, and as I said before, you know, there are plenty of events that are kicking back off at the end of this month and through the Labor Day weekend that superintendents are really, really busy and gearing up for. Yeah, how long ago did they record that video of the two of you out on the plots? I think it was at the end of uh, middle of July, I think. So our dollar spot didn't start hitting till, I mean, it's literally a week after we shot our video. It came in. It, it came in with a vengeance. Now, fortunately, we we've had brown packs like crazy. That that has one. That has been a big problem, ubiquitous through the state has been brown patch, and usually guys don't really mess with it. Because brown patch is usually a, a weak event here in Ohio. You see it come in, and by the time you get ready to spray for it, the weather changes, it dries out, and it goes away. Not this year. Um, I, I've seen brown patch worse than I've ever seen it in 22 years of working on turf. It, it's to where it thins it out and actually kills turf, and we've never seen that before. It's just been, as a pathologist, it's, you know, we get excited about those kind of weird things. Um, obviously, as a superintendent, not so much. But I've heard from a few superintendents that really got caught by brown patch and had a long struggle with it because they kind of went at it um, with the jab instead of a knockout punch. And um, they they got behind and they had to really um, uh, put in the big big hitter fungicides to, to get it back in the check and get rid of it. Yeah, so you said normally you would really kind of ignore that and just wait it out. What are you recommending people do to meet that challenge? Well, obviously, um, uh, watch your moisture. Um, it likes to be wet. Um, again, humidity is the key with brown patch. But, you know, again, just uh, look at your fungicide program and make sure that you get some crossover with some of these products. There are a lot of good products, especially in the, the Strobularin family, that take care of brown patch and, and keep it at bay. Um, there are some other ones that are contacts that really do a good job. And these superintendents all know what works for them. 
they they fought brown pass before, but it's usually been a very short uh, fight, not something long like this. So uh, they might have had to go into the bag and start looking at labels again if they needed to rotate chemistry, so they weren't going out with the same thing over and over again to keep it in check. But there are so many good products at, at that 21-day level that are going to keep brown patch off, especially off greens and so forth, that uh, it shouldn't be a problem. But like I said, it's one of those things that, that was very unexpected this year, that instead of that short week, week and a half period, it turned into a whole month. Are you seeing any issues this year with any resistance? Not not so far this year. We've not heard anybody talk about that and, and not really had a problem yet. Well, Todd, thanks a lot for your time today. I really enjoyed catching up with you. Hey, thanks, John. Take care.